Hey, this is Ryan Levesque and welcome to the Kick-Ass Podcast, where today we're going to be talking about some of our biggest predictions and trends looking into the new year, 2023, and what we as digital entrepreneurs should be looking for and watching for as we enter into this new year. And today, specifically, we're going to be talking about uh, the subject of courses, digital courses, online courses. And if you have any sort of business where you're involved in education and expertise, whether you're a coach, a consultant, a course creator, if you have any sort of uh, digital presence, then um, online courses are probably a big part of your business. And uh, we here at the Ask Method Company use online courses in a number of different ways. And we are seeing certain trends that I think would be really valuable to know about. And uh, for today, we have a very special guest, um, uh, someone who is, uh, I think, one of the world's experts on uh, digital courses, um, online programs. She's been doing this um, for a long time, a tremendous amount of experience. And she just so happens to also be our Director of Training and Education here at the Ask Method Company. Um, she's someone who's been involved with pretty much every single one of the training programs and courses that we've built um, in our company's history, um, from short form courses, long form courses, and everything in between. And I'm very, very excited to welcome to the Kick Ask podcast the one, the only, Ms. Michelle Falzone. Michelle, welcome to the podcast. Hey, hey Ryan. Great to be here. I'm really, really excited to be here. And uh, I know our time is relatively short, so I want to just get right into it. I know you've got some predictions, some um, elements that you are thinking about looking at when it comes to what to watch for with respect to online courses, uh, training programs, uh, digital programs going into this new year. Um, we're seeing some big changes, I think, even recently in the way courses are delivered um, and even how um, we and our company are thinking about the kind of course content that we offer and when just due to kind of shifts in the marketplace and shifts in the world. So maybe you could just kind of talk a little bit about what um, uh, what that means for the future for anybody involved in this space. Yeah, absolutely. And yes, as you said, there are some big changes afoot, I think, and we are presently making a lot of those pivots and changes uh to kind of keep up with what's going on with the market. And one of our big predictions, I'm just going to come right out and say it, is this shorter shelf life of our courses. Now, before I get really into what that means, I want to zoom up and give a little bit of context as to maybe some of the thinking, some of the research, some of what we've been seeing in the feedback from our markets and audiences that's kind of leading us to this prediction. And um, overall, in general, human beings are just feeling more overwhelmed, Ryan. Like, mm. you know, we kind of, who do you talk to that doesn't say, oh, I'm so busy or there's so much right. going on or there's been so many big, big things that we've had to deal with across the board. And actually there are some studies that prove this is true. So the, um, there was a study in the UK by the Policy Institute and Centre for Attention Studies at King's College in London, and they mm. actually found that 41% of UK adults say the pace of life is too much for them this day in, in the, this day and age. Compare that with just 30% in 1983. So we're seeing this real sort of ticking up of people just feeling like there's just too much going on. I'm feeling overwhelmed. 60% say they wish their life was simple, up from 49% in 2008. So, you know, mm. just in a little uh, more than uh, a decade, we're seeing these massive social shifts and it, we're not imagining it. We really are feeling busier and more overwhelmed than ever. Combine that with this, you know, as we know, this massive rise in not just mobile devices, but what we're looking at 
on those mobile devices. And we're just becoming increasingly reliant on and connected to our phones. And they are the the source of all the things for us, Ryan. And uh, in fact, we hugely underestimate how much time we spend on our phones. And again, that same UK study found that people thought they check their phones about 25 times a day. Like how many times do you think you check your phone, Ryan? Oh gosh, I am embarrassed to even make a guess because I probably am vastly underestimating it. <laughs> the number is actually that we check our phones about 80 times a day. Oh, man. It's just mind-boggling. Yeah. So 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 we've kind of got this sort of perfect storm happening. We're seeing overwhelm. We're seeing this 80 time like knee-jerk reaction to grab our phone and check for information. And the information that's on there is fragmented. It's bite-sized. I mean, it's getting more and more bite-sized. And we were joking the other day that it's kind of like nibble-sized now, you know. (laughs) Uh, So we're kind of after this immediate gratification as human beings, our even our the way our brains are getting wired is is shifting and changing around this immediate gratification, all these dopamine hits we're getting on platforms like TikTok, where the average video is 21 to 34 seconds in duration. So we're looking for these quick hits. So, and TikTok's on the rise. We're seeing, you know, a billion monthly active users. I saw some stats the other day that said eight new people join TikTok every second. Wow. So this is not going away. And we've got Instagram with reels and Facebook stories and YouTube shorts and all the places and spaces where we can get these little bite-sized pieces of content. And so that's a context for all of us as course creators, as people creating content that we want people to pay attention to, that we are now needing to insert ourselves into. So even though we might have a course that we need to share a lot more information than somebody can share in a 21 second TikTok video, we need to know that our audience is wired for these shorter, um, more interesting, more entertaining uh, kind of um, up to the minute is the other thing. You know, we're really about like on that phone, we can just see everything every minute that's happening. So all of this kind of needs to go into our thinking, which is why one of our big predictions is this shorter shelf life of our courses. And, you know, I I, I, I think, and we've talked a lot about this here at the Ask Method Company, but I think that even though that is a bit of a fallacy, the whole idea that we now have an attention pan short, span shorter than a goldfish. Um, I couldn't find any data to actually support that, but we do have less of an attention span than we used to. And that same study I was citing earlier said that half the public, 49% of people feel like their attention span is shorter than it used to be. Um, and a and you know that is just a growing statistic. And forty-seven percent of those interviewed said that deep thinking has become a thing of the past, a thing of the past. And so, you know, we we're seeing this incredible human shift, and we as course creators need to kind of follow along with that. Yeah, you know, and I think the um, the thing that we have to recognize that these the the wheels have been in motion for some mm-hmm. time, pushing this trend in this direction. But what we don't appreciate, what we don't have a good ability to recognize is the pace of exponential change. Like we tend to think linearly. We tend to think like, oh, well, you know, last year felt really fast. So this year is going to feel like a little bit faster than, than last year. Um, but this idea of that information overload increasing by a factor of 10 is hard for us to 
appreciate like what does that actually mean like it already feels like there is a lot of stuff going on in the world and that we need to stay on top of and all the different things that we constantly need to check on our phone all the different places that we need to be looking for things um well when that increases by a factor of 10 when that 10x is it's hard for us to get our brains around what that actually means um now i have a tremendous amount of faith in the human species i think we're the you know the most adaptable organism on planet earth and if there's one thing that we um, have proven time and time again that we can do as a species is that we can adapt we can adapt to this change um but what that also means as entrepreneurs we also need to adapt like the the mode of of selling of operating in your business especially if you're a course creator that worked last year two years ago three years ago is probably not something that you can think and think about rinsing and repeating this next year in 2023 so shorter shelf life courses um shorter duration content so what do we do with this knowledge michelle like mm -hmm. now that you know this is true like we recognize these are the trends right these are the habits that are being formed by humanity and we play a small role in people's lives knowing that these habits are being formed how do we adapt like what do we do with this knowledge when it comes to the courses and programs that we are going to be creating in this next year and moving forward yeah Great question. I mean, that is the the sixty four million dollar or sixty four billion dollar really question. Um, and people don't want an encyclopedia. That is that is what we need to really remember. Mm -hmm. So this shorter. Not only do we need uh, to be producing our courses more regularly and more up to the minute, we mm -hmm. need to be really thinking about the content that's going into those courses. So instead of these big long encyclopedic courses, people want more of that news bulletin style. What's happening next? What do I need to know right now? And what have I got to do about it? And so these up to the minute shorter duration courses, I think are going to be very much uh, a trend that if you can kind of ride this wave, if you can get onto it sooner, you're going to see more uptake. You're going to see people actually wanting to buy your program. And then you're going to see them actually succeeding in that program because you're designing it for what we need right now. So you're going to get a lot more traction with these more up to the minute, shorter duration courses. And actually I was uh, doing some research and I found that uh, short courses are growing twice as fast as kind of a longer, more traditional, say degree type courses. And um, there was a study that found that um, up till 2018, and some of this is still kind of being studied now, but even up to 2018, short courses were growing by over 500% um, more than um you know, master's degree and bachelor's and other courses. And that trend has absolutely continued now right up into, you know, today. And we're seeing universities offering shorter courses, more up to the minute courses, because they've got to compete. You know, these are these monolithic kind of in many ways dinosaurs um, that have to really radically change the way they're doing things because of they're seeing these massive shifts, these massive drops in numbers, and they're not seeing the growth. And um, they didn't, you know, this corner of the market. And now we've kind of seen that democratization of courses. And that is just getting more and more and more across the board as more of us can share our knowledge and our insight uh, with the world. So we're looking at how to, you know, rethink programs even here at the Ask Method Company that used to run longer. How can we make them shorter? How can we reimagine them in ways where they deliver more immediate gratification, but also more immediate success and results? Mm -hmm. So we're predicting more and more demand from the market for shorter, more tactical, up to the minute training. 
And what that means is there is a real opportunity for those people who can anticipate this. So we're not, unfortunately, Ryan, I mean, like you said, I've been doing this a long time (laughs) and it did used to be that you could create your flagship program and you record it in a studio and make it all look fabulous and more or less kind of set and forget it for a couple of years, really. And you see, you know, a lot of people that have been selling a program that's run, you know, it's the same program, they're just rinsing and repeating it. And while that has worked in the past, that is working less and less. And our prediction is it will continue to work less and less. You just can't keep running the same program over and over again. Mm. So that's kind of the big thing is about how can you be creating content that's shorter and that is really of this moment. Mm. And that kind of leads to a few sub predictions based kind of off that big idea as well. Mm. Yeah. You know, I'd love to, if I'd love to just comment on that. You just made me kind of just really think about like, if I look at the progression of our company, our first ever flagship training program, the ask method masterclass, which if I, I recall the original version of that um, was released, I think in 2017, it was 2016 or 2017. And um, when we, work together on, on creating that program, the entire program was scripted from start to finish. So the entire thing, the 20 hours of training was scripted start to finish. We recorded that training in a studio. We recorded it with a tremendous amount of production value and it was very sort of, you know, high quality. And the idea behind it was record it once and use it over and over and over again, you know, and that was a paradigm that was just even just a few short years ago. So call it five, six years ago. Now, fast forward to today, and I think about um, how that just wouldn't work. Like by the time the program is is recorded in post-production, there are elements that are already obsolete just in the time it's taken from recording the training, going through the post-production process and releasing that training inside of the um, uh, inside of uh, the market. And uh, you see these trends come and go so quickly. So so what's the trade-off? Like what I mean, like, you know, so what do you do? Like, you know, you something's got to give. <laughs> something's got to give. Exactly. Um, you mentioned there are a few sub predictions. Like what what are you seeing are the kind of the knock on effects of of this sort of shift in the paradigm? Well, I think you really put your finger on it there, Ryan. Uh, You know, it it is incredible how fast this rate of change is happening because, yeah, even just a few short years ago, that was our paradigm in many ways to have this big flagship program, really invest in the production value of that program because it's an asset. It's something that's going to sit there and we're going to, you know, continue to offer it to our audience time after time. So obviously if we're going to be more up to the minute, we're going to be more current, we're going to be, you know, trying to get this content out there in a very timely way as the markets shift and change. The other kind of prediction is that we're going to see less production value, Mm. but more timely information. So where we're investing our effort and our energy, I don't see it as being in booking out a studio, getting everything heavily scripted, spending months thinking about a program and spending weeks recording it and then post-producing it, you know, so you can sort of heave this hefty product into the market. It's going to be much more responsive. And so less production value, but more timely information. And so our investment needs to be really to continue to bring that thing that is going to bring the most value to our audience right at that moment. So less investing in high glossy production of our courses and more investing in staying at the cutting edge of what is actually happening and helping our customers, our students stay up to date with what's working right 
now. And don't expect that what's working right now is what's going to be working in six months or 12 months time. So for us, how that's been playing out already is, you know, we've seen the shift from the big studio production pre, pre-recorded um, kind of content to more live content, to content that we are delivering contemporaneously in the moment to content that is um, less production value, but very much an investment in what's happening exactly right now. So, you know, I know for us, having worked with you so closely, Ryan, one of the things I love about working with you is, you know, whenever we're designing a program together, it is always about, well, what do we do? What's worked for us? What What's working right now? And that is kind of how we decode. We, we're out there in the world doing these things. And then we kind of decode those things and put them into models and frameworks and processes and checklists for others. And so it's really just about speeding up that rate of what's working right now, how are we going to decode that? And then how are we going to communicate that to others? Because, you know, even in in the business that we're in, we're seeing changes in how we're doing things uh, that we need to speed the rate up at which we're communicating that with our audience. Yeah. You know, and I think there's so much opportunity that this creates for anybody who's in this space, if you're a coach, <clears throat> consultant, a course creator, because here's the deal with the pace of change happening in the world and the amount of information overload that we all feel, it is impossible to stay up to speed in all areas and all spaces of life. It's just impossible. So we have to rely on proxies. We have to rely on guides, people who have devoted their life or their attention to a certain sub-segment of the world, whether it's a technology segment, a climate-oriented segment, a a business-oriented segment of all the things that we need to stay on top of. Now, what that means is as a a course creator, as a a coach, as 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 a consultant, as a guide, if you will, you have the opportunity to play that role in the lives of your customers in the same way that you probably have people in your life that you look to, to kind of say, you know, what's going on in this area of the world. I'm going to stay close to this person because she seems to be on top of this. She seems to be kind of paying attention to that space. So what that means is, while you don't have the benefits of being able to create one course that you can then sell for years and years and years into the future, right? That, um, that paradigm is probably behind us for most aspects of life. What it does mean is that you can capture the tension, captivate the attention of your audience in that narrow area of life that is your focus, where you spend your time so they can look to you and say, well, she's got it. Like she's, she's paying attention to this. I can rely on her. I can rest easy knowing that this person is in my life in the form of a coach or course creator. And what it does, it creates the opportunity for you to sell additional training, additional follow-up support to the rapid pace of change that's happening in the world. Um, Now, I think the flip side to that is that content doesn't all need to come from you. Like it doesn't mean that you need to come up with a, with a new, you know, a new trick, so to speak, like every five minutes, like, you know, pull out a new magic trick. I think a big part of it can be really around curation, right, Michelle, like just curating what's happening in the world and being that conduit to interpret what's happening and then funnel that to um, your, um, your audience and your customers. Maybe you could talk just a little bit about that and, and, and what that sort of sub prediction might look like. Yeah, absolutely. I I wanted to make one point just then on what you said too, about like um, one thing about the course that, you know, the new trick, that was what I was kind of thinking about. Cause yeah, that is not always easy just to 
be the dancing pony and come up with a new trick every time, right? right. The, the core of what you want to teach is still the core of what you want to teach, but it's about, like you said, maybe you're coming out with something that's a bit more specialist in one area, or maybe you are giving something a facelift. You know, you're doing the 2.0 version or the 3.0 version of it. These are all the in the same wheelhouse that we're talking about. So uh, it doesn't mean you have to go and get into the tiniest, weirdest sort of sectors of what you teach about, stay in your heartland, but just find ways to really talk about what's happening right now. And the beauty of that is it's always, there's always going to be something to talk about. And I just wanted to say this MVP, minimum viable mindset is something that you want to have. So, you know, you might want to think about keeping your production timeline short so you can be really responsive, bring sort of that minimum viable product to the market and don't overthink your production values. And so then if we kind of move that then into thinking about this idea of curation, Mm. I think that, yeah, something's got to give, as we said earlier, we can't actually be producing all the things all the time, up to the minute, multiple courses. Um, sometimes it's about bringing other experts in. Sometimes it's just simply about bringing together all the information that we know our audience needs into one place. People mm. will pay for convenience. People will pay for you just being the person that's kind of squirreling all of this together. So, you know, just like platforms like TikTok and Instagram and Facebook, they're curating content and they're, you know, showing us more of what we're already watching. I mean, that is kind of the experience we all have. We're all living increasingly in our own bubble. So it's about giving people that opportunity with your programs to perhaps choose their own adventure, to curate their own journey through your own programs. So if you've got, you know, multiple of the minute programs or you've got a range of things that you can provide people, if they come to product A, you can very easily help them to figure out whether they need to move on to product B or product C. And Mm. we're really building this inside the Ask Method company as well. There's really an ecosystem of programs. So we have kind of like a core philosophy, a core methodology, and we're not veering from that, but we're just finding more ways to bring content and training about that core methodology that's not the big flagship programs. We've got, you know, six-week programs, we've got three-day programs, we've got things that we're doing, you know, inside our coaching programs that are half-day programs, we've got things that are all based on implementation, we've got, you know, 90-minute workshops, we're really doing and bringing a lot of different things to the market so that we can kind of help people curate what they want to learn from us and how they want to learn from us. And of course, because we're uh, the Ask Method company, it's all about asking your market, Mm. the quiz portion is actually a really interesting component as you go about curating your content for your audience. Because when you know, you know, what buckets people fall into, when you know how they've answered previous questions, you can really be tailoring the programs you're offering to them in the first place. And even how you're communicating or framing that program for them. So they really see it as something for themselves. And so, uh, you know, our prediction is that this curation of our content is going to become even something we need to be paying more attention to. And I know that we are going to be paying more attention to this as we head into, um, you know, the next, the next year or so. Right. You know, it's this constant question I think that people are asking, which is, okay, bottom line, what do I need to know? Right. There's so much happening in the world, but like, what, what do I really need to know? And the reality is that answer is different 
depending on the person on the other side of that question. And so by using something like a quiz where you're able to funnel people into one of several directions based on their unique set of circumstances, you can give people a meaningful answer to that question. Well, based on where you're at right now, here are the three things that you need to know. And here's the best next step for you. So that is um, absolutely something I think um, we're going to see more and more of across the board. Um, what about, you know, kind of the flavor of training? Like where are we seeing that going in terms of, you know, you know, less production value. I think that that's that's really clear in my mind. More up to the minute. I mean, I think about the, a lot of the a lot of the experts in my life that I that I look to and I follow. Um, you know, I'll forgive less than amazing production value. Like I'm not following them for you know having like this you know amazing you know studio quality you know work. They can you know produce something on their iPhone. There's one expert in particular that I watch um, uh, a lot of his training that he puts together, and he does a lot of travel. Um, he does a lot of speaking on, on different stages. And oftentimes he'll just take his phone out and wherever he's at, he'll just say, I'm here in Colorado right now. And you can see behind me or I'm in Yosemite right now. And let me walk you through this next thing right there. And all he has is an off the cuff, unscripted, you know, uh, uh, training that he's doing on his phone. And I'm not even questioning the value of the content. I'm not saying, man, this would be great, but will be really great uh, as if this was better. Um, but there's one ingredient that he um, that he manages to incorporate, which um, I think is critical and more critical than ever. And that is an element of humor and entertainment. In other words, this isn't just sort of, you know, uh, uh, you know, an AI chat bot regurgitating information that can be pulled from Wikipedia. There's personality like he adds and injects his own personality and you're kind of waiting for him to make one of his little comments and one of the things that he does. And so I'd love if you could maybe speak about that, where you see that headed around the um, kind of, you know, uh, 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 entertaining uh, as a key component, one of the trends that we're seeing. Yeah, I, you know, that is absolutely one of our predictions. One of the trends that we're seeing is this idea of being more entertaining and really this concept of edutainment. And, you know, it's that merging together of education and entertainment into this new kind of way of thinking, which is really edutainment. Mm. And, um, you know, according, there's an edutainment, try and say that word fast five times. There's an edutainment market research report from the business research company. And they found that the global edutainment market size is expected to grow from 4.75 billion in 2021, so it's already a big market to 5.44 billion into the into 2022, 2023, 2024, and beyond. And there's this compound annual growth rate of 14.5%. So we're seeing this like ratcheting up, ratcheting up, ratcheting up of this edutainment concept. Mm. And so that's what we're seeing on our phones as well, right? Like the expert that you're seeing in Yosemite, he is edu edutaining you yeah, yeah. <laughs> with his backgrounds, with his humor. You want to watch him. He's kind of slipping on in with all those funny cat videos or whatever it else is that you're, you're watching. Right. There's not this chasm between them. Now, I'm not saying we all have to become juggling bears or, you know, put funny cats in our videos, but there are many ways that we can bring a little, it's not, it's about not being so serious. It's about meeting people where they're at. It's about dropping right. that guard. I think of me expert on pedestal, you, you know, minion who must listen to what I say. Right. Right. Yeah. It's more about, uh, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, we um, attitude. It's like, what do we do about this? Like, you know, what do we, what do we do about the, this happening in the world right now? Um, and then certainly um, 
uh, I think the entertaining aspect and the personality aspect has never been more important, right? Um, because we can all mm. read a news bulletin online, uh, but what we're really looking for is to someone help us, to someone to help us interpret this information. Like, what do we do about it? What does it mean? Um, and um, and then connect with a personality, right? Connect with with yeah. someone that you resonate with. So um, I, I think that entertainment uh, piece is definitely going to be um, a key one. And and you also touched on something as well that I think is really important. You know, entertainment is not just about um, you know, being a big personality with a tremendous amount of charisma or anything like that. It's also mm-hmm. thinking through the the channels and the way in which you're communicating your message and your your lessons. And and mm-hmm. one of the things that I'm seeing is is just a lot of movement of modality. And maybe you could talk right. a little bit about that and what we're seeing in our business and, and what we predict will be um, coming around the corner. Yeah, we're definitely deliberately mixing modalities. And what we simply mean by that is all the different ways that you might be communicating to your students, your customers, your audience, the information that you have to share. So again, the paradigm used to be, I'm going to stand up in front of a live audience, or I'm going to stand up in front of a camera and I'm going to speak to the screen. And maybe every now and then I'll put up a title and that will be that. Well, no, because what we're seeing is happening out there in the world is this multimodality uh, kind of interaction that people are having with, you know, videos, with special effects, with text, with uh, different approaches, different backgrounds, all of these things. And so we're doing different things with on screen. Um, we're doing things with iPads and sketching and drawing things out real time. We're getting people in our programs to work solo and give them work time, maybe to go into breakout rooms and work in pairs if we're doing a live training and we're doing a lot of live training. Maybe we're getting them to use interactive workbooks in really interesting ways and ways that we haven't done it in the past where they're kind of checking things off and working through things as they go. We're doing things where we're actually getting them to get away from the computer and do things with post-it notes and then to share imagery of that back into our community so that everybody in their cohort, even though it's a virtual cohort can see the work that others are doing. And we're helping them to actually do things like move during our sessions. We're getting them kind of into, you know, yoga poses and stretches and breathing and things like that as well. All of this to kind of shift up the modalities, fun group activities, gamification. We're running all kinds of competitions. We're doing things like uh, implementation sessions where people, you know, kind of do like a sprint where they work together and get things done. There's a really strong emphasis on the communities that we're building. So all of this is so that we can keep people's interest. And remember that those attention spans are getting shorter. People are feeling like they're getting shorter and they're feeling overwhelmed. And so this idea of multimodality, okay, we're going to give you a little bit on camera. Now we're going to shift to the iPad. Okay. Now we're going to show you some slides. Okay. Now we've got a, a short break where you're going to go and do some work on your own. Okay. Now we're going to do a Q&A. All of this kind of multimodality approach helps to keep the attention span up. It helps keep the energy up. It helps people to feel like, oh, interesting. Oh, great. And they're processing the information. And Ryan, one really big thing as part of this prediction of kind of mixing up your modalities, adding more modalities so you can be more entertaining, so you can keep people's attention. And something we've really grabbed onto as we've just seen it get more and more traction is this idea of micro-teaching and then micro-action. And we kind of call this inside a lot of our trainings, do as we go. And Mm. so instead of like teaching a big chunk of content and then expecting people to hold all of that and sit through the deep training of that and then go and get them to do a big, deep, 
you know, exercise where they implement that learning, we are kind of like um, the sushi chef or the, the teppanyaki bar chef. We're kind of <laughs> chopping it up into little pieces and we're working through it very incrementally with these micro teaching sessions and then a micro do. Mm. supporting yeah. that with really powerful kind of workbooks and other materials that help them. You know, the, the takeaway for me there is that um, because of sort of where the direction of content at large um, on the internet is headed to the sort of more, not even, you know, bite size, it's nibble size as we joke, um, like bite size is like, we're so, you know, 2020, you know, we're now at like nibble size. Um uh, pretty soon we're going to be like atom sized content, right? Where we're just going to be, you know, the essence, the dust of what we're eating. Um, but, um, but, <laughs> but even in longer form content that you're producing, longer form courses, asking yourself, yeah. how can you make the segments of content within that even smaller so that you have like that nibble sized um, aspect to it? That's the first thing. And then the second thing is, I think we've become accustomed to consuming content and wanting to infuse our mind and at the same time, keep our body busy. And I'll even, you know, challenge that right now by saying for anyone, depending on the modality that you're consuming this on right now, you might be listening to this, um, on your, you know, uh, uh, in your earbuds or your headphones right now, and you very well might be multitasking. You very well might be exercising as you're listening to this right now. You might be cooking in the kitchen. You might be in the car on a commute or something like that. Um, or you might be watching, you might have your phone beside and you're multitasking in your work. And so when you think about that, we've been accustomed to, be consuming content, the days of being fully consumed by one, you know, a, a focused screen are behind us. Like think about the last time that you watched a movie with your family, how many active screens are being interacted with and engaged during the course of that movie from checking the phone to checking the medical device that you have to, oh, someone got a message on their whatever, to checking your watch, the, the Apple watch, to um, hang on, pause the movie for a second. I want to look at this thing over here. When you multiply that over the number of people consuming it, it very quickly becomes a half a dozen to a dozen different devices that are being interacted with all in the span of a single feature length film. So we become accustomed to this way of life. And when you think about putting together an edutainment piece, a course that has an edu, uh, an entertaining aspect to it, this idea of keeping people busy physically and doing activities while they're consuming the content is tapping into, again, the habits that we've all started to form over the past one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight years. It's just something that's now normal for us. So um, the technology is caught up to a place now that we can do this. You don't need to have fancy equipment to be able to do this. You can simply take people through a teach as you do experience um, when you're producing your course. Again, less about you being in the studio and making it all fancy and more about, all right, let's go and let's do this right now. Okay, so let's let's do this quick activity. People are craving more of that type of experience. Yeah, and Ryan, we're seeing, because you know we measure everything, and we get are getting feedback, you know, at a granular level on a lot of what we're doing. So these predictions are us just plucking stuff out of the air. This is really what's gaining traction for us and what I think is going to really continue to gain traction. And what we're finding is the feedback from our students, from our clients, is just that this is one of the most top rated things they love about what we're doing right now. This mm. do as we go micro teaching, micro action kind of approach. 
And I think it's for all the reasons you've just said. It's just you, you're aligning it with the way they're learning everywhere else in their life, with the way they're interacting with technology and with information everywhere else in their life. And they kind of get here and they go, oh, I'm practiced at this. Oh, this is exactly how I want to do this. Right. And so it just takes away a lot of the friction that I think people are going to feel more and more around with these bigger, heavier kind of programs that require you to do this deep thinking when we're already feeling like deep thinking's not happening as much, when we're already feeling like we're overwhelmed, when we're already wanting this snackable bite-sized content. So yeah, you can do your longer program, but you've got to get smarter and sharper and more interested in how am I going to break this down into smaller pieces and bring in that edutainment and really think about the learning outcome in a whole new way. You know, and the thing that to me is is like the the epiphany moment in this conversation is the way in which we learned when we as adults were students many many years ago for some of us is not the way to be teaching people in today's environment so we almost have to break those old habits those old paradigms of but wait when i was learning stuff this is how i learned whether that was you know five years ago 10 years ago 20 years ago 30 years whatever it is the way to teach in the form of an online course today is not in alignment with the way we learned as students. So when you kind of break the mold on that thought process and that thought pattern and say, well, the world today is very different than it was even three years ago, forget about 30 years ago when we were maybe in school, what that does is it gives you permission to say, all right, I'm gonna try some new things. I'm gonna try some experimentation here. Now, at the same time, it's not like, you know, we're going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. There's still some things that are the same. There's still some things that are timeless. And I'd love to know from your perspective, with all this change, what do you think is staying the same as we enter into this new year and we kind of, you know, prepare our plans for the programs that we're going to be creating and launching and selling over the next 12 months? Mm. Yeah, I, it's such a good question. And, and there really are some things that are timeless, you know, and that aren't going to change. And that is that while, you know, technology is changing, while perhaps the way people want to receive the information is accelerating and shifting right under our feet, people are still inherently motivated by accomplishment, by success, by achievement. I mean, that is, you know, one of our greatest driving forces, what motivates us to do most of the things that we do in our lives. And so that hasn't changed. That's not going away. We just need to find different ways to unlock that achievement for our students, to help them feel like they can have that success with us. And we need to find help them find new ways to kind of experience that achievement and that success more often, knowing that they've got less tolerance for overwhelm, knowing they've got less tolerance for boredom. And this really takes something that I love about, you know, something that you've really been passionate about ever since I've known you is this obsession with customer success. So however we get there, the end result is that we just want people to succeed with this. And it's not just that we want them to consume our content. That's not what we're measuring success by, although it's great to have people finish a course. What I'd much rather is that they get the result from the course, that they actually, you know, get their quiz built, that they get their bootcamp designed, that they have their traffic plan figured out, that they know what their next 12 months look like in their business or whatever the thing is that we happen to be teaching them at the time, that we're really obsessed about that outcome. And I think when you are obsessed about that outcome, if you can keep that as a course creator, always like inside you as your driving light, then 
you will want to make the changes we're talking about. You want to be doing anything you can. Give me any tool I can to help people have the outcomes that I want to help them have, whether you're teaching them how to you know, be more financially sensible, whether you're teaching them how to have better relationships, whether you're teaching them how to play tennis, whether you're teaching them a skill, whether you're teaching them anything at all, you want people to have that information and not only to have that information, but to succeed with that information. And then, of course, that customer success becomes this beautiful sort of virtuous cycle because as you have great examples of people who are succeeding because they did your program, they learn from you through your course, then you've got more information and social proof and customer success stories that you can share with those people that haven't yet bought your program. And they're going to be more likely to come into your world as a result. So it's this very, very healthy ecosystem when you start to really become obsessive about customer success. Yeah. You hold yourself accountable. And what it does is it also gives you permission to try different modalities to achieve that outcome. You're not tied to a way of doing things. You're tied to the objective that you're looking to achieve, which, you know, is um, in our case, for example, it's, it's customer success. So, you know, it's a good question. It's like, you know, in all this, with all this change, what do you stand for? Right. That's the question it's that I'm always asking is like, what, what do you stand for? What's true today? What will be true for you? 50 years from now. And what was true for you 50 years ago? For those of us who have been around that long, what is the timeless truth that you believe in, irrespective of whatever technological change or shift that's happening in the marketplace and uh, creating a business and a uh, a life around what that is? And, uh, you know, we define it in our business as our core values as a company you mentioned customer success, of course, um, uh, courage and grit, um, uh, one of our others and continuous improvement to round out the three. Um, those are the things that are in everything that we do as a company. And what I love about those values is that it doesn't matter what the latest AI technological development is, what the next traffic platform happens to be, what new form of technology is coming our way that we all need to learn. Success, improvement, courage and grit, or commitment are always going to be present in everything that we do. So those may or may not resonate with you uh, watching or listening to this right now, but it's a question I think that's worth asking yourself is with all the change happening, what truths do you hold to be timeless in your business and in your life and passing those truths on to your customers? So um, Michelle, uh, to wrap things up, uh, in summary, what just kind of bring it all together here. The big prediction when it comes to <laughs> digital courses is what? Shorter shelf life for our courses. So that's often going to translate into shorter courses themselves, more up-to-the-minute courses that you can change up more often than you ever have before, either completely redoing them or facelifting them in some way. It's showing up as less production value as we get things to market faster and um, more obsession about timely information, what's working right now as things change. It's also about curation. So making sure that you are really aware of what your audience needs and giving them exactly what they need from maybe a palette of programs and things that you have and helping them to choose their own adventure. It's about bringing in some edutainment along the way, mixing up those modalities in that obsession for customer success, that outcome, that thing that you stand for, then how are you going to get there? I mean, I I remember when I was at university doing those studies on, uh, you know, the railway companies, uh, you know, in America, 
they didn't realize that really what they stood for was transportation. They thought they stood for railways. And so when the cars came along, it was like, oh, this is a threat to us when they could have actually been the the leaders of kind of taking on that new form of transportation. And we've seen it, you know, repeated time and time again throughout history. Kodak, they thought they were in, you know, the print making business. Then they were really in the memory making business. They they invented the first digital camera and put it in a cupboard because they saw it as a threat to them. And so what we're trying to say to you today is embrace these trends, see them at the core of supporting you and what you're really about, the thing you most want to do and the most that you most stand for. So yeah, making sure that you're being entertaining, making sure that you're bringing in every possible tool in your tool belt that you can use, mix up the modalities, know that people need to move around, know that they have a shorter attention span, they feel more overwhelmed, change the way you're doing your workbooks, change the way you're presenting, learn how to sketch something on an iPad if that's going to be relevant to what you teach. And all while delivering tangible results, all while keeping that outcome that people get an outcome at the end. They're not going to invest even a small amount of time. They're not even going to nibble on your content if that's not going to give them the result that they're looking for, if they're not going to see some kind of tangible outcome at the end of it. Michelle, this was awesome. I could talk to you all day. I've walked away with so many takeaways and epiphanies just in this conversation alone. And I appreciate you sharing all of your wisdom here. And I think a lot for us to think about as we get into this new year and we prepare our own businesses and think about what we want to put into practice in 2023 and beyond. Thanks so much, Ryan. Been always, as always, wonderful to talk to you. You've heard from Michelle Falzone, Director of Training and Education here at the Ask Method Company. And if you would love to dive deeper, we just so happen to be hosting a live training for course creators, for coaches, for consultants on a methodology that we are using in our business that is getting more traction, more results, and is generating more revenue for us than anything else, capitalizing on a number of the trends and predictions that you've heard about here in today's conversation. If you'd like to join us, all you need to do is register by going to askmethod.com forward slash event. That's askmethod.com forward slash event to learn a little bit more about what the topic is, what we're diving deeper into and joining us at this session. I look forward to seeing you there. And I want to invite you to stay tuned for the next in this series of predictions as we kick off 2023 and dive into this new year.